Hi, this is Michael Dorn, Lieutenant Commander Worf from Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, and you're listening to Trek FM. Hailing frequencies open, you've tapped into Trek FM's Hyper Channel. I'm Luke Weir, and it's great to finally be back here with you on Hyper Channel. We've seen a lot of Star Trek news drop in the past few months, some exciting projects have been announced, some notable individuals have passed away, and there's been some huge developments regarding Star Trek Discovery. But let's get started with a look at some series-boxed sets that are going to be coming out here in the near future. Star Trek Enterprise is finally getting the full series Blu-ray treatment in the United States. All four seasons, with their 98 episodes, are available in this series set, along with a plethora of bonus features. Unfortunately, it doesn't look like there are any new bonus features in this set, but it does include all of the bonus features that came with the individual season Blu-ray sets, and those include deleted scenes, outtakes, a variety of featurettes, and audio and text commentaries for select episodes. The Enterprise Complete Series Blu-ray set was released on January 10th. Then, on February 7th, you'll be able to get a new Deep Space Nine DVD set featuring all seven seasons in one package. We don't know much about what bonus features will be included with the set, although the featurettes that came with the early 2000s DVDs will likely be included with this set as well. And in the same way, a Voyager DVD set is going to be released on March 7th. This set also probably won't include any new bonus features either, but it will be nice to have new, more modern packaging for these series. Uh, now keep in mind that even though these are new box sets. These are still on standard definition DVDs, and unfortunately, due to the cost of remastering shows like Deep Space Nine and Voyager, we probably aren't going to be seeing any remastered high definition sets for these shows in the near future. Let's move into comics next. IDW Publishing and Dark Horse Comics will be releasing a new Aliens and Star Trek TNG comic crossover. The series is being written by Scott and David Tipton and will be illustrated by J.K. Woodward. In addition to the Xenomorphs, we know that Star Trek races such as the Borg and the Romulans will be playing a vital role in this series. The new crossover series will premiere sometime in 2017. IDW has been quite busy publishing new Star Trek material. They have Boldly Go and Waypoint, which are ongoing series, and they also have the Star Trek Green Lantern sequel series. Rod Roddenberry and Trevor Roth are two of the executive producers of the upcoming Star Trek Discovery, but you may not have known that in 2014 they produced a graphic novel called Worth. Well, you may be seeing Worth on the silver screen before too long. A film adaptation of the graphic novel is now in development. Set in Detroit, Michigan, uh, Worth is the story of a superhero who has the ability to control machines. The rights have been acquired by Sleeping Giant Films, and David Mamadi has been hired to adapt the graphic novel. The upcoming series Star Trek Discovery has been in the news a lot recently, and we've got some exciting casting announcements to go over here in just a bit. But first, some not-so-exciting news. As you've probably already heard, Brian Fuller is no longer involved in Star Trek Discovery in any way. Previously, we knew that he had stepped down as showrunner due to commitments to his star show American Gods, plus other projects he has in development. But in an interview with Newsweek, Fuller revealed that he will not be involved with the production or post-production of Discovery. Fuller said, quote, Ultimately, with my responsibilities elsewhere, I could not do what CBS needed to have done in the time that they needed it done for Star Trek. It felt like it was best for me to focus on landing the plane with American Gods, end quote. He also said, quote, it was bittersweet, but it was just a situation that couldn't be resolved otherwise, so I had to step away, end quote. 
That doesn't mean we won't be seeing the results of any of his work on Discovery, though. He put in a lot of work on the two-hour premiere and the general arc of the season, as well as story treatments for some first-season episodes, and you'll still see his executive producer credit on the show. As for season two of Discovery, Fuller said, quote, They have my number, and if they need me, I will absolutely be there for them. Alright, now let's get into those casting announcements that we've been waiting for so long. We now know of six series regulars who will be working on Season 1 of Star Trek Discovery. Portraying Captain Georgiou above the starship Shenzhou is 54-year-old Chinese-Malaysian actress Michelle Yeoh. She will be the first major Asian character to command a starship in Star Trek, but remember, in this series, the captain will not be the lead character. She's worked in a lot of films you may be familiar with, including Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, The Mummy, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, the James Bond film Tomorrow Never Dies, Babylon AD, and the Netflix series Marco Polo. An interesting piece of trivia about Michelle Yeoh, earlier in her career, she used the stage name Michelle Khan because a studio thought that name might be more marketable to international audiences. Up next, 45-year-old actor Anthony Rapp has been cast as Lieutenant Stamets, an astromycologist, fungus expert, and science officer aboard the Starship Discovery. He will also be the first openly gay character in the Prime Universe. Star Trek Beyond narrowly beat Discovery to that milestone in the Kelvin timeline by revealing that Lieutenant Sulu has a husband, but given Star Trek's roots in television, Lieutenant Stamets will likely be regarded as Star Trek's first openly gay character. Anthony Rapp has worked extensively on both stage and screen. He was part of the original Broadway cast of Rent and later reprised the role in the film version of Rent. He also played Charlie Brown in the 1999 Broadway revival of You're a Good Man, Charlie Brown, and he starred alongside Adina Menzel in the musical If, When. He also popped up in various films and television series such as A Beautiful Mind, Kidnapped, Law & Order SVU, and more. Doug Jones, another actor who might be familiar to genre fans, will be portraying Lieutenant Saru, an alien of a new species that we haven't seen before. The 56-year-old actor has worked extensively in film and television and is best known for his roles in Pan's Labyrinth, the Hellboy movies, and TV series like The Neighbors, Falling Skies, and The Strain. We also know of three actors who have been cast as Klingons in the new series. According to IMDb, these actors are currently only credited on the first and last episodes of Discovery's first season. Chris Obi will play Tukovma, who is described as a Klingon leader who seeks to unite the Klingon houses. He's worked in a variety of projects, including Doctor Who, Snow White and the Huntsman, and the recent remake of Roots. He will also be starring in the Ghost in the Shell movie adaptation and Brian Fuller's upcoming series, American Gods. Also cast in a Klingon role is Shazad Latif. He will portray Cole, a commanding officer of the Klingons and Tukovma's protege. He's worked on shows like MI5, Black Mirror, Penny Dreadful, and more. And Mary Chifo rounds out our new cast of Klingons. She has been cast as Laurel, the battle deck commander of the Klingon ship. Her resume isn't quite as expansive as her castmates, but she is a graduate of Juilliard's drama division, and she's been acting on stage and screen since 2008. But last and most definitely not least in casting news, we finally know who is playing the lead in Star Trek Discovery. 31-year-old actress Sonequa Martin-Green will be portraying Lieutenant Commander Rainsford. As we've discussed before, this will be the first time in Star Trek history that an actor portraying the captain will not receive top billing for the series. This will also be the first time that an African-American woman will lead a Star Trek series. You may have seen Sonequa Martin-Green's recurring roles on Army Wives, Once Upon a Time, The Good Wife, or most recently The Walking Dead, 
which she's been starring in since 2012. As of right now, she's scheduled to continue as a series regular on The Walking Dead, so she's probably going to be pretty busy for the immediate future. So congratulations to her and all of the actors cast in Star Trek Discovery. Sets are currently being constructed at Pinewood Studios in Toronto, and filming is expected to begin this month. If you want to read executive producer Alex Kurtzman's thoughts on some of the casting, I'll put a link to that interview in the show notes. Also, if you want to hear a more extensive conversation about Star Trek Discovery's recent casting, you should check out episode 28 of Stage 9, which is another podcast here on the Trek FM network. Up next, I'd like to take a few moments to pay tribute to some notable figures in both Star Trek and real-life space exploration who recently passed away. Actor Don Marshall has died at the age of 80. He appeared on Star Trek The Original Series as Lieutenant Boma in the 1967 episode The Galileo 7. He also appeared in shows like Julia, Bewitched, The Bionic Woman, The Incredible Hulk, and Little House on the Prairie. He once told StarTrek.com, quote, There weren't that many guest-starring jobs for African Americans or any minorities, really. I was very grateful to get the opportunities I got, and it made me work very hard on each part to make sure that whatever I was doing was right and that the characters I played were very strong people. I tried to bring out the best in the person I played, end quote. The first American astronaut to orbit around the Earth, John Glenn, has passed away at 95 years old. His three-orbit flight took place in a small space capsule called Friendship 7 in 1962. He described the sensation of traveling in space in this way, quote, Spread out as far as I could see were literally thousands of tiny luminous objects that glowed in the black sky like fireflies. I was riding slowly through them, and the sensation was like walking backwards through a pasture where someone had waved a wand and made all of the fireflies stop right where they were and glow steadily, end quote. His orbital journey was an important milestone in the space race between the United States and the Soviet Union. When he came back to Earth, he was greeted with a large parade with an estimated 4 million attendees. Despite his success, President Kennedy actually ordered him not to return to space because he was too valuable of a national figure, so John Glenn resigned from NASA in 1964. Later on in 1974, he won a seat in the United States Senate and remained a congressman for 24 years. He did end up returning to space, though. A year after retiring from the Senate, he was invited by NASA to rejoin the space program and participate in a nine-day mission on the Discovery to study how aging affects astronauts. This flight set another milestone for John Glenn. In 1998, he became the oldest person to ever go to space at the age of 77. Lastly, astrophysicist Vera Rubin has died at the age of 88. She was most famous for confirming the existence of dark matter, which had been theoretical since it was proposed by Frenz Zwicky in the 1930s. Dark matter is not visible, hence its name, but it's a force that we can see in a sense because of how it affects the visible matter around it. Rubin's research in collaboration with Kent Ford showed that it's possible that most galaxies contain up to six times more dark matter than visible matter. Vera Rubin had a passion for astronomy as early as 10 years old, but she didn't realize she would be breaking into an all-male industry. She was the only astronomy major to graduate from Vassar, an all-women's college in 1948, and she wasn't allowed to participate in Princeton's astronomy program because it didn't accept women at the time, so she studied instead at Cornell and Georgetown. She was the first woman allowed to observe at Caltech's Palomar Observatory, and later she was elected to the National Academy of Sciences and won the National Medal of Science. 
She once wrote that she worked under three basic assumptions. One, there is no problem in science that can be solved by a man that cannot also be solved by a woman. Two, worldwide, half of all brains are in women. And three, we need permission to do science, but for reasons that are deeply ingrained in history, this permission is often given to men more than to women. Throughout her life, she was also an advocate for scientific literacy around the world. She even proposed that United States congressmen should have a thorough understanding of physics and ecology. Although we still have a long way to go before we fully understand dark matter, Vera Rubin played an important role in how we look at the universe, and scientists will continue to rely on her foundational work for many years to come. Back in November, J.J. Abrams, Chris Pine, and John Cho, among other celebrities, attended the grand opening of an art exhibit paying tribute to the late Anton Yelchin's photography. The exhibit ran through the end of 2016 at what is called the Other Gallery in Los Angeles. All 40 of the pieces on display were sold, with proceeds going to the Anton Yelchin Foundation, which aims to empower children and student filmmakers. Anton Yelchin passed away unexpectedly back in June when his vehicle rolled down his driveway and took his life. Since his passing, J.J. Abrams has made it very clear that they will not be recasting the role of Chekhov in any upcoming Star Trek films. The man who claimed to be making modern-day tricorders is going to prison. Howard Leventhal defrauded investors of over $26 million by claiming he was creating a tablet-based medical device that would function similarly to tricorders. In fact, he even called it Healthio's McCoy Home Health Tablet. The website for his fake company claimed that the tablets would be monitored 24-7 by a nurse-staffed call center. He even forged the signature of the Canadian Deputy Health Minister during his scam. Leventhal has been sentenced to five years in prison. If you want to read more about his bizarre trial, in which he represented himself, tried to sue his own prosecutor, and even attempted to show his 75-minute PowerPoint presentation at his sentencing, you can check out some links we'll post here in the show notes. As we near the end of the episode, I'd like to leave you with some recommended viewing to enjoy. The first video I'm recommending is from the International Space Station's Facebook page. It's called NASA on the Edge of Forever, of course referencing the famous uh, TOS episode. It's a great video about how Star Trek inspired a lot of technology and work being done on the ISS right now. Another video I'd recommend you check out is a supercut of a line that kept popping up on Star Trek Voyager. A YouTuber named Jogwheel put together a supercut of every time a character uses the phrase some kind of. It's amazing how many times they use this and variations of it on the show. The video is over 10 minutes long, but it's pretty hilarious. I'd highly recommend watching it. And that is a wrap on today's episode of Hyper Channel. Be sure to subscribe to Hyper Channel on iTunes or your preferred podcast provider. You can also subscribe to the Trek FM Master Feed, where you can get all of the shows on the network in just one convenient feed. Uh, keep up with me on Instagram and Twitter at Craptastic Luke. Also, add me on Facebook too. Just search for Luke Weir. You can follow Trek FM on Twitter and Facebook. You should also join Trek FM's Facebook group, The Babel Conference. It's a secret group that's just for Trek FM listeners, and we have some great Star Trek discussion on. On there. Just search for the Babel Conference. That's B-A-B-E-L. You can also support the Trek FM network on Patreon. Go to patreon.com slash trekfm and check out the various levels of support you can choose from. You can even become an associate producer on one or more of the shows in the Trek FM network. I'm Luke Weir. Thanks so much for listening. We'll be back soon with another episode of Hyper Channel. Hyper Channel.